Call the meeting to order. Ms. Troublefield, will you please take the roll call? Mr. Cathell? Here. Mr. Collins? Here. Mr. Fritz? Here. Dr. Hattier? Here. Mr. Layfield? Here. Ms. Moses? Here. Mr. Keaton? Here. Mrs. Pryor? Here. Dr. Statler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here. We have a quorum. <clears throat> Is there a motion to go into executive session? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 We're in executive session. Reconvening public session. We have a <clears throat> motion to approve the agenda for January the 23rd. So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Will we please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? <clears throat> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. Three point oh four student government. Hi, everybody. My name is Sydney Deary, and I am co president of the student council at Indian River High School. This upcoming week marks the end of our first semester of this school year. With that, our class of twenty twenty three has been actively working on college applications and scholarships. The class has received over 216 acceptance letters from various colleges and over $3.6 million in scholarships. Our next big club event for student council and LEO club members is the Night to Shine event founded by the Tim Tebow Foundation. It is an unforgettable prom night for people with special needs and it is centered around God's love. I can speak for everyone when I say we are honored and very excited to be a part of this night. Moving on to sports, our boys basketball team has a record of eight and four and this has been the best start to the season in the past three years. Our wrestling team has a record of four and two and has averaged fifth place or higher in the majority of their tournaments. Our unified basketball team has a record of two and zero oh and is on the run to the state championships. Our boys swimming team holds a record of four one and one and our girls swim team has a record of five and one. There are 17 Indian River High School students committed to playing sports in colleges ranging from D3 to D1. Finally, for the first time in the current building we are in, Indian River has hosted a student versus staff basketball game. The staff won, but it was a close game. Through our PBIS course on Schoology, students are encouraged to participate in self-paced activities that include topics such as goal setting, growth mindset, and social emotional learning. In PBIS, we also have a really ready student of the week and really reliable staff member of the week. Weekly recognition allows us to shout out improvements in academics, behavior, and attendance we are seeing with students. We also use a platform for extra practice in English called Sora. There have been 721 students at Indian River High School who have checked out at least one book on Sora this year and 56 students who have indi individually read for 10 hours or more. The student body is excited for the next semester and the rest of the school year. Thank you. 3.05 and 3.06. We have a motion to approve the regular meeting minutes and the executive session minutes from December the 19th. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? 
All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. <clears throat> Recognition. Thank you, Mr. Layfield. We have several recognitions this evening. The first is a first place volunteer firefighter fire prevention poster contest from East Millsburg. And I ask that Ms. McCurry join us on the stage to present that award. Good evening. Liliana Hazard, a first grade student at East Millsboro Elementary School, won first place for first grade in the state of Delaware in the Delaware Volunteer Firefighters Association Fire Prevention Poster Contest held each year during Fire Prevention Week. Liliana submitted her poster under the topic of things in the home that will burn you. Poster submissions were judged on originality, neatness, and general composition pertaining to the theme. Liliana received her plaque and recognition at the State Fire Prevention Awards held on Sunday, January 8, 2023 at the Cheswold Fire Company. On behalf of the staff and students at East Millsboro Elementary School, I would like to congratulate Liliana Hazard on this award. Okay, our next two are both from Southern Delaware School of the Arts. I could ask Dr. Evans to join us for the presentation. All right, good evening. Uh, I'd like to call our vocal music teacher up here, Mary Calgieri. Uh, we're recognizing students tonight from SDSA who were uh, earned all-county and all-state uh, honors choir. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to Mrs. Calgieri. Sure. Thank you. I'm uh, very honored to be able to present this today. Our students have worked very, very hard um, to receive these honors, so I would like to call them up. Um, first, I'm going to announce the students who were accepted into the All-County Honors Choir. And I'm going to start with Noelia Ballesteros. The next student is Zoe Pla. <laughs> Denisha Purnell-Smith. Alondra Sabaha. Bryn Simon. Winter Derrickson. Summer Evangam. Logan Keenan. Enrique Nunez, 
Gavin Schwartzloos. Logan Phillips. Giancarlo Victor. And Alexander Zambroni. Zambrano, I'm sorry, Zambrano. So the next, uh, the next group I'm going to call are the students who were accepted into Allstate. So Allstate Honors Choir um, is an extremely, extremely competitive um, program where students um, spend a lot of time rehearsing to audition. And um, our school was able to have six students accepted into Allstate, which is um, the second highest representation in the state of students in Allstate. So we're very proud of them this year. So that is Zoe Pla. Taylor Mack, Giancarlo Victor, Alexander Zambrano, and Enrique Nunez. I'm sorry, Winter Derrickson as well. Okay, our next recognition is Selbyville Middle School. I could have Mr. McCready's join me at the podium, please.
Good evening. Selbyville Middle School is proud to have two students recognized this evening for their selection to the Delaware Junior All-State Honor Choir. These students participated in a rigorous audition process and were selected from a pool of hundreds of applicants. Selbyville Middle School is honored to have these students as representatives in this elite performing ensemble. Olivia Boyle, please come to the stage at this time to be recognized by the board. And our second student, I'm not sure if she was able to make it as of one o'clock this afternoon. She didn't think she was going to be. Uh, Michaela Furman, if you're present, could you please come to the stage to be recognized? And our final recognitions this evening are from Indian River High School. Mr. Williams. Good evening. We'd like to recognize at Indian River our students for all county choir. I know a lot of them are not here this evening. However, I will read their name and let them be recognized. Ryan Bunning, Jackson Chandler, Maxwell Fadden, Davey Lopez, Gabrielle Young, Sean Caldera, Nicole Carter, I do know she's here, <clears throat> Madison King. Next, we will look, recognize those students for all state choir. If your name is called, please come up to the stage. Again, a lot of our students are involved in a lot of other activities, and unfortunately, most of them had prior commitments to tonight. But again, I would like to read their names so they can be recognized. Davey Lopez, Jasmine Schaefer, Sean Caldera, do you know he's here? Sarah Liberius. Cassidy Landis, Nicole Carter, Madison King, Maxwell Fadden, and I did miss Cassidy. I apologize, we did miss Cassidy for all county as well. I do have her certificate. 
Public session. It's a time of our meeting where we open the floor to the public. And our first uh, individual that signed up to speak is uh, Alyssa Malinowski. We allot three minutes per speaker, and I'll keep you on track, okay? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, good evening. My name is Alyssa Manelski, and this is Pixie. She's my daughter. She will be 15 in April, and she is now enrolled in Sussex Central. I have five girls. The eldest is 29. The twins are 24. Um, there's Pixie, and the youngest is almost eight. We're a great family. Um, I've had a home health care business since 2006. It is my entity. Entity. The three older girls all graduated from Indian River, and uh, we sold our property on Armory Road two years ago. This is why we're here. We live less than five miles from Indian River. We have um, hit a dead end regarding Pixie being enrolled at Central. Since the first week of school, the stories of Pixie's daily life is told as we're driving, sitting around at the dinner table of countless drugs, weapons, vaping, students making out way more than just a kiss. Students bag classes, they go out to the parking lot, smoke, drink alcohol, and we are just besides ourselves. Uh, my beautiful Pixie has seen it all. In the Manelski home, um, there has never been technology no iPads, iPods, Kindles, music devices, game systems, no computer to ever enter my home. I've never seen a Facebook, and I've never sent an email in my life. I'm 47. Pixie tells us weekly of the fights that she's witnessed and heard about from other students. The intention with the girls is to get their shirt off so their breasts are out as the crowd goes wild. These students are 100% out of control. Um, they will never put their phones away, even when prompt to. They sit in seats, kick their feet up on the desks. On a daily basis, Pixie is very beautiful, and she is sexually harassed. Smacks on the backside, very lewd comments. My daughters all wear dresses and skirts 365 days a week to school. She is also very covered. So this is not brought on because of her. Um, it's brought on because the children coming to that school are from a different walk of life. The teachers, some of them are so amazing, and some act just like the students, engaging in inappropriate talk, dressing with very short skirts, their cleavage pushed together, and boots to their kneecaps as if they are going out on a night in town. I compare this school to the movie Lean on Me with Morgan Friedman. Excuse me, 15 seconds. No matter what, 70% Hispanic, including Pixie, she is half American, half Mexican. Um, she guesstimates about 40% are associated with the drug cartel. Um, they are used as lambs selling drugs rapid, making at least $200 a day. That's $1,000 a week and $4,000 monthly. It's unbelievable. I'm very scared for Pixie. She's gonna be at the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of these students would never give names because of their status with the cartel. Several real, real gangs. Three minutes, ma'am. Thank you. 
Can I submit, um, I have just this and another one. Can I submit it to you so you can all read it? Yeah, so we're, we're pleading today um, for Pixie to be transferred. Um, this is her leadership award that she was granted with the police academy. Out of 30 cadets, she earned the leadership award. So you're looking into the eyes of a future law enforcement officer. We don't want her going to this school. It's way more than you guys could even imagine. Next, Melissa Abbott. Good evening. There we go. Um, I just wanted to come before you this evening to advertise our scholarship fundraiser again. This is our seventh annual fundraiser that we're having um, each year. We, are, we do a scholarship fundraiser. Um, it's a Friday evening. Um, we are collecting donations. The one year right after COVID, we did just monetary donations, and so we're still keeping the monetary donations um, going. So you can donate just cash if you would like that to go to straight to the scholarships. Otherwise, we ask for um, large and small donations. Um, we have a lot of businesses that donate, a lot of... Um, our teachers from all of the buildings across the district go and make donations. Um, it's a really fun evening. We have a silent auction and a Chinese auction, and I just wanted to come tonight to kind of advertise that and let you guys know and make sure that you're aware of that. Um, we have made copies of our flyers, and those should be a little bit of everywhere in all of the buildings now. And so that the event is March 10th from 4 to 6.30, and it's at the Indian River Senior Center in Millsboro, it's right there uh, behind the Wawa. And so we just wanted to say, come join us and thank you for supporting us. The scholarship is going to one Indian River High School student and one Sussex Central student who are going on to uh, study education to come back and be teachers. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Is there anyone else like to come forward to speak at public session? There's, uh, there were the only two that signed up this evening. Can you just provide your name before you start, ma'am. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. My name is Christina Wright. I apologize. I have been through so much anxiety, and I wrote something down last minute to stay on track because, as Ms. Blandard knows, uh, and Mr. Owens, I can go down many rabbit holes. So, clock ticking. On January 9th, a 25-year-old Newport News in Newport News, Virginia, a first grade teacher would, first of all, if there's any children in the building, if they would like to exit, because what I'm about to say is a little harsh. So, we're good. Sorry, I just wanted to say that because what I'm about to say is extremely heavy, heavy on my heart. So as we know, a first grade teacher was shot by a sixth grade, excuse me, a six-year-old with an acute disability. He should have been supervised on the day of the shooting. A new headline in the recent news, Virginia schooled downplayed warnings. The teacher, 
Virginia school downplayed warnings from the teacher before she was shot by a six-year-old boy. The headline and innocent, this headline weighs very heavy on my mind and heart. On 11-21 and 12-07, I received two different phone calls from my son's school who downplayed how my son was bullied and assaulted. My son was poked, he was pushed, his head hit the wall, he was kicked, and he was punched. On 113, we find out that there were three adults in the room, three, two from High Roads and one miss, being Mr. Grice. Now I'm off my little tangent, but my son went to his teacher 20 minutes prior to this incident. He reported how this offender was poking him. On 121, his school held a investigation plan because I wanted a board meeting and we are told that the two staff members from High Roads did not witness this act of, kind of violence. I have to add, not only is my son humiliated, but these poor innocent children who have witnessed these two horrific incidents that happen under the school system. On 12-7, I wish I could have the seating chart that I was presented by my school, my son's school. So, let me stay on track here, guys. So on 12-7, I get another phone call, and it was, you know, hearing these attacks from my son, who on 12-7 was placed in the corner of a room 11 days after he was attacked on 11-21. This time, not that it matters, but- 10 seconds, oh, I'm sorry. Lord. Okay, okay. He was put in the corner with no exit in the front of him, and there's no one-on-ones, they were pulled. So I'm gonna read it real quick. I am here because these incidents happen and will continue to happen to our children. Bullying and violence is real. It's our children's reality. We should give them the tools to help them survive in such cru a cruel world. I am here to partnership with Indian River School District to improve the policies and the procedures, and most importantly, to educate our children, our parents, and guardians, staff, administrators, and the board education and our community. We need change. We need to come together and protect our children and help those children who struggle with disabilities and the one with behavioral issues and social limitations. Many policies need to be rewritten and updated to protect our children, victims, families, not the offenders. Offenders are protected and do have and do not have to fight for their rights. Victims are left fighting. As they say, it takes a village. We are here, we are here now in this moment. Let's get to building a positive and safe environment for our future, our children. Thank you. And I am sorry that I'm worked up, but I have lost many, many countless hours of sleep. My job is jeopardized and I will go sit down, but please look at me and hear me. We need change for our innocent children. They are, my son has yet to return to his school because he fears School is not a safe place. <clears throat> is there anyone else who'd like to come up to speak public comment? <clears throat> Hearing you're seeing none. 
New business, 6.01. School choice applications, 2022-2023 for January. Good evening. Good evening. On board docks is saving you a total of 15 school choice applications. We are asking the board to review those and asking to accept all 15 of those applications. As you see through that, through your board docs, uh, they are all priority number ones as being returning students. Is there a motion to approve? So moved. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. 6.02, donations, uh, Cordry Charities. Yes, thank you. We have uh, two donations, both by Cordry Charities, uh, one in the amount of $3,000, which was a check, plus an additional 1,000 grocery store gift card to be used to help families in need within the district. And one was for North Georgetown, also from Cordry Charities, a $2,000 check to be used to help families in need. And uh, per our policy, we would need action for us to apply those funds as intended by Cordry Charities. So moved. Motion made, is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 6.03, 2022-2023, organizational chart. Yes, thank you. Per policy CC, uh, annually the board shall review our district organizational plan uh, it is, uh, again, in board docs, and I am happy to answer any questions. And if there are none, I would ask for action on the organizational chart this evening. Everyone get a chance to review on board docs. Is there a motion to approve the organizational chart as shown? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 6.04, local reserve balance analysis. Mr. Smith. <coughs> and uh, thank you. We'd like to welcome Mr. Doofendock here with us this evening as well. Mrs. Smith. Yes. Back, I think it was the November Finance Committee meeting, um, Mr. Doofendock had done an analysis of our local reserve balance um, and a projection for future years and an analysis of what pressures we're facing and what's out there. So. He is here tonight to present the entire presentation to the full board. All right, thank you, good evening. Um, I think you have the report in your board docs, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was asked to take a look as a yeah, independent, objective viewpoint in terms of what your current local reserve balance is, um, how it's trending. Uh, over time, where it's been, where we expect it to go. And it's really showing, you know, if no additional action is taken, uh, what the trend looks like. So this can all be changed based upon um, potential future decisions. So in looking at the reserve, um, you compare it to your overall district budget, which um, last year, fiscal year 2022, the Indian River operating budget was approximately $192 million. Your year-end carryover local balance was $16,976,000. So $16 million sounds like a very large number uh, when you're talking about a reserve, but in the context of how large of an operating budget you have, it's roughly 8.84% of your annual budget. Um, I like to always compare that to 
let's say your income, you were, had an annual salary of $50,000 and you had $5,000 in the bank, you know, that would be 10% of your annual income. And that's, you know, not a tremendously large uh, percentage. So 17 million sounds like a big number, but it's less than 10% of the annual budget. So just trying to make that uh, uh, comparison there. So, you know, what is a reserve balance for? Um, typically districts expend all of their federal dollars and all of their state dollars because they're in essence use it or lose it dollars. So you want to make sure you fully expend those dollars and then the local property tax collections are the dollars you can carry over indefinitely year after year after year. So if you have a budget surplus, you're continuing to add to that savings account or that reserve balance and it builds up over time or it can be, of course, depleted over time. Um, the way the referendum process works in Delaware, um, all districts go to referendum. At, for a period of time, they're collecting more annual revenues than what they're spending, and they're building a reserve balance. And then at some point in time, those numbers switch, and the expenditures increase faster than the revenue increases, and you start to um, draw down that reserve. So if you look at where we've been in the past, um, when you had your last referendum, which was in March 2017, you had very limited reserve balance. You can see two, three million dollars. That has increased gradually and consistently to our close to $17 million where we currently have uh, the reserve, which is, which is very good and very um, strong balance. The state requirement, surprisingly, only requires that the board carry over one month's full local payroll and other operating obligations. Uh, in Indian River's case, that amounts to only about $3.5 million, which is a very low amount. Um, why does the state have it so low? I don't know. Um, but to me, having worked in several districts, it's way <laughs> insufficient uh, to what it should be. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, individuals who have looked at what is a more reasonable reserve balance have usually come up with the 5 to 10% of the annual operating budget, which is right in the um, category where you're currently at. So again, currently we're in pretty good shape. Um, the other thing to consider and be aware of, when you look at the $17 million, districts have a lot of 10-month staff that they spread their pay through the summertime. So when you get to the end of our fiscal year, which is June 30th, there's about $6 million of earned money that has not been paid out because those salary payments will be made in July and August to those 10-month staff who have already earned the money um, by June 30th. So since the, um, the state operates on a cash basis, not an accrual basis, that $6 million is part of that $17 million. So really, the $17 million is not as much as you might think um, because six million has actually been earned but not paid out for the 10-month salary. Um, another way of looking at it is you also have to have a reserve because your local property tax collections do not come in on a cash flow basis until early October. 
Um, the property taxes are, are due uh, at the end of September. You don't receive them, the majority of the collections, until October. So you need to have a balance to get you through July, August, September before receipt of those property collections occur. So in Indian River's case, during those months um, from July through early October, you're spending about $14 million and uh, you're only bringing in, in, in property tax collections, about $8 million during that period of time. So that also represents a $6 million cash flow need. So looking at it either way shows you, in my view, that $6 million should be your absolute floor, um, you know, that you would never want to, to go below that amount. Um, I'll try to summarize here without going through all the detail that you have in your packet. But in essence, it looks like in working with Tammy, and uh, she can comment if she sees anything differently, um, and of course we'll be exploring this in more detail, but it looks like you have a approximate structural deficit of about $2 million, meaning the annual revenues are about $2 million short of your annual expenditures uh, looking at it in the current year. Now you also have some one-time expenditures that are adding to a potential reduction in your reserve. Um, you have a one-time curriculum purchase of a significant amount. You have potential local match obligations for the construction market pressure that we've discussed. And we're, of course, trying to minimize that, but that's a potential liability out there. Uh, you also have, in this particular fiscal year, a 27 pay issue, which is a complication of the bi-weekly pay system. Every 12 or 13 years, you have an extra 27th pay, and that's costing the district locally about $1.7 million uh, in this particular fiscal year. Uh, you also had a negotiated salary increase that was technically for the prior fiscal year, but when the settlement or when the um, negotiations were completed, it actually hit in this fiscal year, so that was another $800,000 um, going against the reserve. So there's some other things, and I won't reiterate what's, what's in the, the layout here for you, but the graph that you have showing the future projections um, show, again, if no action is taken, uh, the potential reduction in the ending year reserve balance going down to that critical $6 million by the end of fiscal year 2026 is the projection. So that's the key issue. So this, again, is not, this is a prediction. Um, it's, in essence, just trying to be prepared for that and consider options of delaying that or mitigating that concern. So you can also see that you have Indian Rivers in the fortunate position of having by far the lowest um, tax rate in the county. Um, significantly lower than all of the other districts in the county. And the district also is not fully assessing the taxes that it could assess. Uh, there's about $2 million annually of what are called match tax components that the board's authorized to assess but are currently not being assessed. Um, so that's something for consideration. Uh, of course, there's the potential for uh, expenditure reductions as well, 
potential for a referendum. You know, there's a whole host of series of uh, items or combination of items that could help address that. But we thought it was important to uh, get this information to the board just to show that with current trends and if they continue and if no action is taken, uh, the projection is showing that uh, FY 2026, you would be declining the reserve down to that critical six million uh, balance. So I hope I haven't made anybody's <laughs> head spin with all the numbers. Uh, sorry if I threw too much at you. Uh, if you have any questions, I'll be glad to try to answer them with Mrs. Smith. But again, it's a projection and it's just a preparation document to um, you know, see where the train is headed uh, to see if the district needs to make an adjustment. Match tax. <clears throat> you have in here district tax rate considerations. We've got a reassessments beyond our control, the impact fees beyond our control, and uh, we already uh, control somewhat that we've created the lowest tax revenue in the county. <clears throat> so something we control is match tax. Yes. Um, over the years, and the, the governor's been pretty uh, upfront that they really have tried to push some things to the local taxpayers, which is certainly not great. Um, but when they have provided funding in a lot of programs over the last decade, especially, they've said districts can match what the state is providing if they choose to assess a match tax for things like extra time programs, technology, opportunity grants. Um, and it is a shifting from the state uh, to a burden to the local taxpayer. Um, so I'm not saying whether it's a right or wrong scenario, but it is an authorization that the district has for some of those co component programs where you could assess a tax rate if you chose to do so. Mark, am I, am I correct in that in all of Sussex County, I'm not sure if Kent's included, but only Milford and Indian River School District are currently the only districts not collecting a match tax? Uh, there's, there's a whole component of different match taxes. Like right. I said, there's for minor cap programs, there's for extra time, there's for technology, there's for opportunity grants. So there's probably six, seven, or eight options. So I think Indian River and Milford are the only ones that are assessing only minor cap. Is that correct? So. That's in essence correct, yes. Uh, some districts are not fully assessing, but right. most are assessing at least half or more of what they could. Um, Indian River and Melford are definitely the lowest. Gotcha. I think a worse word is uh, referendum. And if we got to the fiscal year 2026 with this budget, the only way we could dig ourselves out of that would be referendum. So match tax is not a, a good word, but it's better than what referendum is. So I, I think it's worthwhile we explore and look into the match tax a little bit more so we can postpone the, the R word because we're having difficulty building, um, but we want to worry about our budget. We did a nice job managing our budget after the referendum in 2017. I think we were, very, we were not disingenuous to the public. We said we were going to tighten our belt, and we did that. You see the steady increase but the projected revenues bring us right back down to where we were in 2017. Right, and uh, coincidentally, the, the magnitude of your structural deficit, about $2 million, is also 
in essence, the amount of what you could assess. Um, you could bring in roughly $2 million uh, on the additional match taxes if you assess them. So they're, they're actually similar in amount. Each year? Yes, each year, yes. And when, when will the uh, uh, major cap for Sussex Central, when will those taxes fully uh, fall off? Yeah, I'll let uh, Tammy I don't have that information with me off the top of my head, but I will get it to you. Okay, because I know it's, de it's starting to decrease. Yes. And eventually will fall off. Yes, we, yeah. we had several bonds that were going to be paid off in the first four or five years of the, the project. Old bonds. I have a question. Okay, we have a $2 million structural deficit coming, which can be met um, by the match tax if we choose to do that. Now, we're still going to be in a growth phase given the number of homes that are down here, which means we're still going to be attracting more kids. Um, you correctly noted somewhere that we're being required to provide more services now than when we did the original uh, referendum for continuing expenses in 17. That's obviously going to raise our expenses more than what we had planned for back in 17 because that's beyond our control also. So if we do the 17, the, the $2 million match tax, at what point is that going to be insufficient to keep up with what we need? In other words, we're going to end up in a referendum at some point anyway, as much as I don't like the R word either, but it's, it's going to have to happen. Yes, I I'll defer to Tammy, but it's, it's hard to predict your assessment base currently is growing at about 2.83%. So you are receiving some additional local revenues year to year, and if your local expenditures don't increase by more than that, then you can maintain. Now, with the reassessment, I don't know, is there a component to adjust the assessment year to year that, that could help if they do? Like right, right now, your assessment base stays the same unless you have new property mm -hmm. that gets added to the assessment rolls because there's no adjustment for the increase in market value. So that's why the assessment growth, the revenue that comes in locally to the district is very flat. There's not much of an increase even though you're getting more students because all the existing property is having no reassessment or no adjustment. So you're getting no more you know, inflationary dollars um, unless there's new assessments added to the role. My question is, with the reassessment, is, if there is any expected annual adjustment to the assessed value that would bring in new money that currently doesn't happen. Didn't they say that there was a 10% cap? That's a one-time. That's a one-time 10% cap. 10% cap, you're right, is when reassessment goes into effect, you have that ability to have a net increase of 10%. You have to adjust the tax rate downward, but you could adjust it downward Understood. so that you had a 10% increase. And that's but, only one time that's after one that? Time okay, has the state decided that this is going to be an annual reassessment? I know Fairfax County automatically drops 4 or 5% on the taxpayers regardless of whether it's going up or down. Yeah, I don't think we've received any information of what happens after the initial reassessment. Dr. Owens, have you heard anything? No. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's, that's what I was, try I was trying to ask the same question in a more confusing way. But exactly, because, because if that does happen, I mean, that would be a big part of the solution uh, if you are able to have that annual increase. But I don't know if that's part of the new reassessment plan or not. We'll need to find that out. Okay. Tammy, if you could look into that, please. I will. Okay. 
because that could make a big difference for us. Not that I like the idea of taxes going up automatically. Um, Fairfax County raised the taxes constantly. Then when the revenues and all the prices went back up, you'd think they'd lower it. No, they simply kept the extra amount of money and spent it anyway. You know, government does not like to let go of money once it gets it. So that's, that's a concern. Good question. I appreciate your detailed presentation. Yeah, thank you for the time thank on you. this, the detail. It's wise to know where we're going and what the possibilities could be. Okay, thank you both for the, the extra work. Thank you. thank you. I think it's also wise that the school district take time to uh, assess its own expenditures and uh, determine what's necessary, what's not, and if there's any waste in the current budget, that should be considered as well going forward. <clears throat> should be reviewed, just like any good budget. Thank you. 6.05, Long Neck Elementary School drainage. Mr. Booth. All right, thank you, and hello. Uh, on your board docs is a tabulation of proposals for Long Neck Playground drainage prepared by Davis, Bowen, and Ferdell to address issues. Uh, they have reviewed the proposals and Ring Lardner of Davis, Bowen, Ferdell uh, presented at the Buildings and Grounds Committee this month that their recommendation would be row property maintenance at $44,144. Uh, this would be paid for with minor cap funding if approved tonight. The work uh, will be started after the school year to not disrupt the school functions. Um, if there aren't any questions, uh, we would recommend uh, accepting the row proposal. How many times have we had to revisit the drainage issue at Long Neck Elementary since we first put bricks down there? Quite a few. Uh, we tried to do uh, some of the uh, French drains uh, in-house, uh, put in stones, uh, dug holes. Um, and then the, the front pond was addressed probably about five or six years ago. It was cleaned out, uh, had trees growing in there, uh, left stumps. Um, they are not interested in dipping it out. Um, but. Uh, We've addressed it a few times, but we've, we've not been able to get a handle on it. So uh, the proposal was to get an engineering firm to take a look at it and come up with recommendations and ultimately these proposals. I'm comfortable moving forward. It just seems strange. We've, we built the facility in a woods. Now, as everyone's developed around that woods, we seem to be the drain in the area. Yeah, typically it drains uh, from the route. Uh, 24. Yeah, 24 and goes to the inland bay, so it actually goes through our school and on out to the inland bay. Um, we've actually added on to that school uh, as well, uh, which is more water, but uh, and dug some ponds out front. That was part of the, the, the addition as well, because uh, some of that was not operating properly when the school was built in 96. Uh, so we've been out there a few times. Is there a motion to approve the so greenish budget? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. <clears throat> Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Booth. Thank you. 6.06, .06, change order allowance notification for our TNS. Again, on your board docs are 
change orders and purchase items for the new Ennis School. The board adopted the construction change order procedure that requires notification <coughs> of delegated approval amounts to the board for approval on a monthly basis. In summary, the amounts are Magnum Electronics uh, for walkie-talkies, it was $3,370. Um, Advantech, $49,500 for bi-directional amplifier to enhance responder communication. Um, RYJ change order number 29, that was for $32,018 for slab and site work for the outdoor classroom and walkway construction. Um, R.Y. Johnson change order number 30, $49,833 for purchases of new motion medical equipment. And I also have an allowance uh, notification, $43,555.03 for liquid asphalt adjustment. Uh, if there are no questions, just ask that you accept this into the uh, record. Any questions with all these change orders? We're getting close to the end of a build. Are we to expect these type of change orders at the end of a build like this? It seems like they piled up there, and I'm just wondering, did we do anything wrong to uh, have all these change orders come upon us? Uh, considering that most of these are purchases of equipment, um, the Magnum, the Advantech we needed for the uh, to open the school, um, uh, we needed that communication for first responders. Um, the slab was for the playground that was approved. We changed it from the wooden structure to a larger canopy and metal poles. Uh, so that was a bigger area that needed to be worked up. And then uh, new motion was approval of uh, uh, medical equipment. Again, another purchase uh, <coughs> that you would buy towards the end of the school because you don't have a school to put anything in at that time. Um, and the last one is allowance notification, and that's because the price of asphalt has uh, skyrocketed, so they had an adjustment, and um, we've had a few of those um, as they, they do uh, different segments of the parking lot. And they have one more left, the parking lot in front of the construction trailer, mm -hmm. as well as the, the little uh, uh, area in front of the bus pole bar. Um, and then we'll be complete. And I think there's two lifts on the asphalt, the right two lifts. You put down a base and then a finish. So we are getting towards the end. Um, but these were these were purchases, and that's probably expected to be towards the end. Very happy with the build and where we ended up with our Tiana. But two of these kind of still calls me a little concerned because of the headache that we went through after the first of the year with the communications within. And it was kind of a all hands on deck. How do we fix that problem? And it seemed to be an immediate uh, problem that we had to fix in order to get into that school in a short period of time, which was difficult. A lot of state employees working through vacations over the holiday for us to get in at Howard Tiennes. I'm just wondering what, what precautions, what other procedures could we have made with a communications issue within Howard Tiennes? Do you wait till the school's completely closed to then start doing these tests? It just seemed like it was a last-minute issue that came up, but it was a huge issue 
in order for us to get our certificates of uh, temporary certificate of occupancy. Mm -hmm. And I, we, we worked through it. We got through it. But it, it was a lot of work on everyone's part. And I'm just wondering, it's two of these five change orders. What are we able to do in the future to kind of mitigate that? Was there any talk or issues? So as we build the school across the street, we'll not have the same problems we did at Howard T. Ennis right there to close the business. Well, well this did give us um, uh, an opportunity to address that at uh, the new Sussex Central. I can let uh, Brad Cowan answer this, but you cannot test the building until it's like 90% complete. Okay. So you don't know what you're getting into with all the glass, the metal, uh, things of that nature. Um, so you couldn't test until later on. And then, as you know, in Sussex County, we do have some communication issues uh, regardless. <laughs> so once we uh, got- Definitely. Once, once we got, got into this, this is what we found, but um, it was, surprising I think in how much it was so, I appreciate time to give an explanation because I, I kind of got an understanding I was working with Dr. Owens through this but it just causes me concern as we go on to another building that we don't have that same issue I knew we were under a tight time frame and I'm very happy with the work but she's like that was a that was a huge hiccup for us to pick a date and then have to jump through those hoops the last two weeks in order to get communication yeah yes it was and good evening everyone um, the state the division of communication criteria is the building needs to be 95% complete. Okay. They won't come in any sooner, which I think is we go through it on every project. Uh, this building, the existing Sussex Central, has all the, the BDAs, I'll call them, but they won't come in and test until you have all the walls done, the windows, the ceiling tiles in, pretty much complete. So it kind of handcuffs us. What was surprising was the building failed. The communication, there was, there was hardly any communication uh, in that building whatsoever, which is very surprising. We have buildings that are, you know, 50%, 75%, but they still give us a temporary. That particular scenario, they wouldn't give us a temporary because the, 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 uh, it fails so, uh, so, so badly. So I talked with uh, Eric Wagner, who's the director of uh, um, Division of Communication. I said, what can we do better at the new high school so we don't end up like we did at, at uh, Ennis. And he said, well, he will work with us to try to come in sooner than later, even before some of the ceilings are in, the walls are up. We'll be happy to pay you to come through and do a preliminary test. It's a couple hundred dollars for some people to walk through to test it. If you know you're going to fail completely at that point, putting more walls up and windows and ceilings in is gonna do nothing but make it worse. So talk to him and, and uh, we're going to work out a plan to where when steel's up and the walls are going up, let's just do a walkthrough. Advantech, who is one of our subcontractors, is also a licensed uh, contractor to do that testing for the State Division of Communication because they just don't have enough people to, to do all the work. So we're, we're gonna have Advantech go through there much earlier than th the state's criteria calls for to see where we end up. It's an enormous school. We certainly don't wanna go down the road. Uh, that, was, that was kind of a crazy, that was a little bit of a pressure cooker there at the end to get everybody in the school. And I do appreciate everybody's help uh, working through that. We have our communication tower in the back of the school and everything's functioning fine, but um, we have an opportunity to do better on the next one. And working with the state, I think we can, uh, we can eliminate. I'm not saying we're gonna eliminate cost because we could be putting all those BDAs back in. We just don't know right now. And the other thing that people have asked me is why doesn't the engineer design this into the building? Well, you don't know until you get there how bad it's gonna be. It could be add a few here or there, it could be the complete building. So 
you don't want to just design a system that's going to cost 150000 when at the end you figure out it's only, you only need to spend twenty five. So there's a fine line there. Thank you for that explanation. I just I didn't understand that it needed to be 95% complete, and then we've already got plans to work out with Sussex Central because yeah. there was a potential to see the inefficiency of state government at its finest right there, <laughs> and we were able to work our way through it. I know it was many a, it of was, us it was a tough have one, seen it and lived it. A few sleepless I, nights, believe me. The, you, I know you, we don't want to go through that a second time, and I'm, I'm happy that you're on top of it, and I appreciate your explanation. If, if I could add, <clears throat> I would like to to thank a few folks that I do know work through their vacation. I know Charlie Ruggiero and his team was there almost daily, and Joe was uh, there as well, and Melissa Kansak, uh, the principal, she was there just to make sure we got that building where it needed to be for our students on the 3rd. Uh, and I also wanted to highlight our first responders that were so uh, responsive to this too. The chief at uh, Millsboro, Dennis Swain, the new uh, captain at Troop 4, Christy uh, Ballinger. Ballinger, she came out to, to visit the school, was part of a meeting. Our EMS folks, uh, they were amazing. So they had a plan, a backup to the backup plan worked out just for this school to make sure we could have students in when we wanted to. And uh, those relationships developed from those conversations and they've continued. I know now we've got a a plan to bring in Troop 4 for a meeting here soon to kind of walk the building and look at the building. And those EMS folks now will, will be able to come through and, and observe the building. And it's just the firefighters will come back through. Uh, the captain, got the, the, the fire chief, excuse me, was able to, to, to get a visual on that building. It's brand new to, to see it. So uh, some good things did come out of that. And uh, I do want to thank uh, Director Wagner from Division of Communication. So I didn't know anything about 800 megahertz radios before this started. Now I know too much. Um, but the, the door opening with him too, and just as recently as last week, I communicated with him that we need this to go better across the street at Sussex Central. And he's, he's on it and he's committed to that too. So I, I, do, I don't want that to get lost in this, but that was um, a little bit of a pressure cooker there for a little bit. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation. <clears throat> okay, we got five change orders. There's a motion Thanks, to accept sir. the change orders. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. I think Robbie Murray also was someone that helped with uh, establishing the communications yes. there from the county. Thank you. <clears throat> um, 7.01, old business. Uh, major capital planning, the new Sussex Central <coughs> High School market pressure. Yeah, so let me give an update on just... Uh, the project itself, and then I'll go into market pressure. And I think Mr. Doofendock is still here. I don't know if he snuck out on me. I may, uh, we may lean on him and um, Mrs. Smith a little bit for that. But construction at New Sussex Central is proceeding as scheduled. Obviously, this time of the year, we run into some weather. So uh, hopefully that weather uh, cooperates with us uh, for a while so we can continue uh, on schedule. The bus lot has been moved uh, to what was previously the staff parking lot, some of you have maybe have been by during uh, drop-off and pick-up, so you can see there's a, a new process there. Uh, I've communicated with Dr. Layfield, and it seems that that is running as intended. And actually, the first couple days, they were able to get uh, students out of there actually quicker than we were previously. So, again, that was moved because we are clearing space along that southern end, so we needed to change those procedures with entry into and exit out of the school. 
Uh, the construction team is currently prepping the foundations for footing, footings, which are scheduled to be poured the second week in February. Uh, DelDOT had a pre-construction meeting associated with the entrance last week, and that, will, that work will begin in the very near future as well. <coughs> Lastly, all the bid bonds have been returned to the bidders, thus we will begin to see contracts from successful bidders, uh, which will allow the district to establish purchase orders. Uh, now I'd like to shift kind of into the, the new Sussex Central High School market pressure. As you know, we've had some ongoing communications about uh, market pressure concerns at, at the new school. With official bids that came in on December 6th, the district now has the actual construction cost that must be determined and the amount of additional funding that we'd like to request from the newly created school construction, construction market pressure contingency fund based upon our formally received bids. So as you know, um, once those low bids came in, where we are now uh, on the low, as from those low bids is 187.6 million for the, the project itself. And total that has been authorized is 162 million. That includes the 146 million from our, our initial certificate of necessity, our 2.4 million that we received from Howard Tienis to build these Ennis areas within the school, and the 13.5 million that the, this board voted on recently uh, from House Bill 310, uh, which we would have to include that local match. So that brings us to the 162 million that we are authorized for thus far, which gives us a shortfall with that of 25.6 million. So that would be to include all the alternates that we've discussed to try to get those as part of this project. As you know, we've been working with our building team uh, as, as recently as a couple weeks ago um, with the site work. We've begun the value engineering uh, process to try to see where we can diminish some of those costs now, whether it be um, instead of pavers, you're using uh, concrete. Um, you are looking at the entry areas and, and how those are structured. So all that is happening now, and monthly we'll be looking at ways to try to reduce cost on the project. But as we've discussed, we really would like to go back to the state to consider additional market pressure for this project. We want to build the project that the, the, the community voted for with that original $146 million referendum, uh, despite the, the pressures that we have with our current market. So we're exploring those avenues now with the help of Tammy and Mark. Uh, as, as recently as uh, Earlier this month, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Dufendock, and myself uh, had a meeting with uh, members of uh, Office of Management and Budget, as well as Department of Ed, and just uh, shared our concerns with the deficit that we have. Uh, we don't have impact fees that uh, Newcastle County has that can draw in from the community that could offset the local match portion of what we would be required to, to pay currently. That's 60-40. That, that, that's our match is the 40% for local. Uh, we don't have that, so we need to lean on our friends at the state and Office of Management and Budget to try to help us. I can tell you from that meeting, one of the suggestions was is for the district to consider amending that, that original certificate of necessity and potentially going back out to referendum to offset that. I mean, we talked here tonight. A referendum is a, is a lofty task to, to accomplish in any environment, but that would be difficult uh, to go to our community for an additional referendum, in my opinion, after they've already approved the $146 million. So, again, we've got some uh, support previously 
in the form of the 13 and a half and the form of the classrooms and areas for the Ennis that we are adding into this, but uh, really concerned with trying to afford what would likely be a $10.2 million uh, local match portion if we were to go, go forward with the total $25 million. Uh, that's the deficit right now. I don't know if we would end there, but certainly we want to try to um, allocate for um, a potential ag building, um, the, ref the renovations to the theater, all those things, and, and there's a number. I've, I can't remember, Tammy, how many alternates are on that list, but there's, there's certainly plenty. 45-ish? 45, and we've already gone through to say, these are things that we think we absolutely need, these are things we want, and these are things that we think we can cut. So again, I just want to bring that back to the board's attention this evening, uh, just so you're aware. Um, again, we will continue to meet with the state. I've talked with our elected officials most recently uh, a, a couple months ago at our legislative breakfast and just said any help and support uh, you can offer based on our current situation because of the market will help. The referendum was uh, several years ago and now that obviously the market's changed, we still want to build the building that we know our community wants and needs and to, to be able to support our students. So Tammy, Mark, I'm sorry, I may have missed uh, something, but if you, anything to add there that I may have missed? Go ahead, I don't. No, I was just gonna add that it's, it's uh, ironic and frustrating because our last conversation about match taxes, all the other ones are optional. The ones that you're not matching for extra time, technology, and so forth, which I mentioned. The state is still giving you the state dollars, but they're giving you the choice of whether or not you match that locally. For the construction market pressure funds, they're taking a hard-line position that you must provide the local match or you don't get the state amount. So they say that's the past practice and that's the way it's always been for construction market pressure funds, which is true, but we argue vigorously that this is unprecedented and it's also inconsistent with the other match taxes. So, you know, we know they have a pot of money. We know it's 70 some million dollars statewide. Um, you know, we really push hard. I mean, we need to get this 15 million state amount or whatever, you know, the, the maximum we can get, but make the local match optional so you can decide if you want to add to that or if you want to value engineer or not award some of the alternates you know give you that choice but as dr owen said the state pushed back at the meeting that well you'd have a lot more leverage if you went to referendum and couldn't pass the referendum and of course our position is that's a heck of a thing for a district to have to go through to try to get additional leverage so just wanted to add that um, you know, peace. So it is. It is very uh, uh, frustrating, and um, you know, we're we're subject to having to have legislative support to get through this. Because right now, the way the law is written, you can't access the state market pressure funds unless you provide the local match. So unless that gets changed legislatively, that's the um, situation we're um, stuck with. So Was that from OMB, the recommendation of the referendum? <clears throat> from, um, I just think that's so disingenuous yeah, to OMB, say. OMB and DOE were both there. I can't say who made the comment. To, to go to referendum, you lose your community support. Yeah, yeah. If we just go through the motions and put it out there, we're just going to, you know, it's like rebel rousing. You're just going to make the <clears throat> community very mad at the district right. 
overall for going through with it. We know what the result's going to be. It's going to be a losing referendum. And to do that to help us to get money to come back and grovel for it totally. is ridiculous. Totally agree. And we, we definitely express that uh, strongly as we could. Gotcha. I just want to make sure we're in the same. Yeah. Thank you. And That's the match. The match that they're asking for is to be made in cash. We've asked for it to be made in kind of the things that we're giving up. Um, we've explained that if the state were to give their share, it's not costing the state anymore. And if a district can afford to make that local match, then they get more. And if they can't, they at least get a portion of, of what's needed. So we've tried multiple avenues um, to try to get some assistance but so far have not been successful, unfortunately. I'm sorry, I didn't understand She'd that. like Good to make job. a suggestion. Thank you. We'll have a public session at the end of this. You can speak for three more minutes if you'd like. Doc, you had something you want to say about yeah, um, specifically this? Just to clarify, when we went to the original referendum, all those 45 options were included, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in other words, we planned ahead properly and did yeah. it. Okay, there's an escalation clause built into almost every contract. That's what, anywhere between 2 and 3% per year, maybe 4? Is that a yes. fair number? Fair. Okay, so the price hikes that we've had um, since then through something that was not our fault are pushing 30 to 35 percent. Is that a roughly good number? Okay, so this is all very unprecedented, and for the state to hold out against us on this and the other districts who need the money as well, it's not just Indian River, um, is extremely difficult to take. It's not our fault. We planned a good school for the community. We put a lot of effort into that, many, many meetings, many months to plan it out, and now we're being told, hey, guys, go back and just ask the public for more money. And this is the same governor right now who's still demanding his $2 million back on his give back every year, which is another scandal considering the amount of cash that he's sitting on right now. Why are we still giving back $2 million a year? In five years, we'd have our $10 million, all righty? And that would be a way to do an installment plan, and we get our money back on that. But he will not give up on that number. Okay, as to the suggestion to get WBOC and others involved, I see two local reporters here who have been very good at writing things up for us, and I'm deeply appreciative of that um, because they do provide a, a good um, logical explanation to the public of what we are trying to do. Okay, BOC and others, RDE, is certainly a, another avenue, and I have a feeling that David's in here someplace, um, you know, exactly, and I know that old David over there has got the information already going out. Whether they publish it or not, you know, or do something with it, that's up to them. But I know we are making the efforts. Okay, but at the very least, give us our $2 million back. You've heard me say this at almost every meeting now for a long, long time. Give us our $2 million back. We'll start with that. Okay. And that goes, by the way, if we get our $2 million back, so does every other school district get their percentage back. We'll make a difference for those districts then as well. So, thank you. I think one other um, item that's important to note through this process, the state hired a consultant to review the construction costs 
um, that districts were submitting um, out of concern that they were elevated. Mm -hmm. um, and I, was it 192 million? The state's consultant came back at 192 million for our project, which is a slightly higher than what the bids actually came in. So actually through our own good due diligence, we're still giving it less than what the state says it should cost. Correct. Okay, so compared to the state, we're not doing half bad. Right. My opinion. So we had to get a referendum <coughs> to raise the money to build this <coughs> building, but am I correct in saying there's a school in Wilmington that's being built 100% on state dollars, no referendum required? As far as I know, correct. Correct. I'm sure it's needed, but it's nice that they would have to follow the same rules. Yeah. Any further discussion on the uh, market pressure? Hearing none, um, Howard Tienes. Yes, thank you. Uh, as Mr. Booth indicated, we do have two areas of paving left to complete, which uh, are the approved alternate parking lot in the <coughs> front of the construction trailer and the entrance to, entrance to that bus pole barn. Uh, we do have punch list items that are being addressed, and our commissioning agent has reviewed the electrical and mechanical systems and will note areas in need of attention uh, moving forward. The therapy pool work continues and is still expected to be complete, hopefully in late February, early March. Um, I see Mr. Cowan giving me a thumbs up, so I know he's, he's eagerly watching that too. Uh, the oven hood and the Ansel inspection occurred today and was approved by the fire marshal. This has been an ongoing issue since the school opened for our students, and we hope that this issue is finally resolved. So as of today, we are good to go there with the uh, that equipment. And lastly, uh, the old Ennis is being cleaned up uh, and ready to transfer back over to Dell Tech. There was a walkthrough with Dell Tech and the proposed tenants uh, that set uh, parameters for uh, expectations with our official uh, clean out and then moving it. Happy to answer any questions. I will add, um, we've talked about our official ribbon cutting. <laughs> Our hope is, is that pool gets wrapped up and we can do that uh, at some point right there in March after that's complete. Any questions with our Deannis? Hearing none, 7.03, GW Carver consent update. Thank you, Dr. Brittingham. Yes, good evening. <clears throat> A few quick updates. It's almost time for end of the second marking period report to Dr. Linda Wren for the former Carver students. Um, so the report is in progress by the school special education coordinators and the majority of the students are, are really, really doing well. Some of them we're still working out some individual support plans for. Um, we will host our next community advisory board as part of the consent order on February 9th, 2023 via Zoom from 4 to 6. And then at this time I'd like to welcome Georgetown Elementary School. Um, Principal Mr. Neil Stong and mental health counselor Mrs. Chanel Chaplin. They're going to give a very quick overview of some of the um, work from their equity plan for the, for the upcoming school year that's linked to the consent order. Good evening, everybody. Morning. Sorry for my voice. Evening. I'm just going to introduce um, Mrs. Chanel Chaplin. She's our new bilingual uh, mental health counselor. Um, Chanel's been at our school for 10 years. 10 years she started off as a bilingual secretary, a community liaison, and now she's put herself through school and she's our bilingual uh, mental health counselor. So she's a great resource for all of our students and staff. 
Um, our equity plan is based around uh, some activities and professional development geared towards our students and our staff. And Mrs. Chaplin's gonna review those with you tonight. Well, we've been busy with the um, Acre Steering Committee and we've been working with inclusion, diversity at all levels. Uh, we started with the Cultural Diversity Competency Corner. This is a resource that we use for the school and we provide school-wide activities. Um, in this, we're gonna celebrate cultural diversity and inclusion and incorporates monthly observances. Um, we have provided information and activities on Hispanic heritage, um, autism, and the language of Braille. For Braille Day, uh, this month of January, we, uh, our district teacher for the visually impaired has completed a couple of activities with the students throughout the school to build empathy for uh, those who are visually impaired. Some of those activities included um, uh, exploring the Braille machine, uh, we had blindfold role plays, orientation and mobility, and we're displaying a bulletin at the school so the students can touch the alphabet and they can learn the alphabet in Braille. Um, we are planning our cultural diversity spring festival, and this is along with Sussex Central High School, North Georgetown Elementary School, Georgetown Middle School, Haritianis, and IREC. This is a festival that it will incorporate community stakeholders, local businesses, families, and students and staff to bring awareness and resources available to our community, as well as activities designed to celebrate our culturally diverse um, community in a fun, family-oriented day. And the mental health department, um, we recently hosted the social-emotional learning night. And we had families come in and turn their attention into mental health um, as an integral part of education and human growth and development. Families learn about self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making through art, STEM. Um, we have physical education, bibliotherapy, and counseling activities. Um, we also have a social-emotional learning program that is trauma-oriented. And this is um, to help students that are multilingual and new to the country um, to identify what barriers uh, hinder their education and their progress. And that could be um, trauma-related um, barriers that could be the language or could be uh, just the adaptation to a new culture. And finally, during the month of February, we are establishing a book bodies reading partnership where the older students partner with a younger student to, with the program I Love to Read during the month of, uh, and other activities. Thank you so much for sharing. Any questions for us? Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Committee reports, 6.01, Building and Grounds. Mr. Fritz. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, the Buildings and Grounds Committee uh, met on January, Monday, January the 9th. Uh, some of these items we've discussed already and may be repetitive. Um, some have been updated since the meeting. First of all, we discussed Howard T. Ennis and the construction. Uh, as has been mentioned, the school opened for students January the 3rd, working through punch list items, commissioning of equipment, uh, and then the paving uh, was to resume on January the 16th in the parking area. Uh, we do know that the pool uh, is set to hopefully open in late March after some repairs uh, to uh, the design and uh, installment are, are corrected. As Dr. Owens mentioned tonight, the kitchen hood uh, has been resolved. The outdoor classroom is looking to be installed in spring of 2023, waiting for parts to come in, uh, poles to be set, 
before concrete can be uh, poured. The change orders, we discussed those this evening uh, already, the outdoor classroom canopy, uh, the new motion change order for miscellaneous items, and then the bi-directional amplifier. Sussex Central, <coughs> construction update was given. Uh, um, as was mentioned earlier too, work is obviously correct, uh, impacted by weather at this time of the year. The uh, school parking lot adjustment was to begin on January the 16th, and that sounds like it has been uh, completed. Uh, the pad is scheduled for March start with steel hopefully coming in around June. More precise dates will, uh, will be forthcoming on, as a construction schedule is created. Uh, we learned that the district will not have to pay for any natural gas relocation. We are still waiting on the artesian water agreement, but the insurance issue on that has been uh, worked out. Uh, change order procedures. There was a proposed change limit uh, proposal to change limits on change order procedure was presented to the committee. It was discussed. Uh, there were some recommendations that were made and for that to be brought back before Buildings and Grounds at the February meeting, uh, specifically with some language to specify that the change would be for the new Sussex Central High School build uh, solely. Uh, Buildings and Grounds Support Center gave their uh, dashboard synopsis. There were 46 work tickets opened, 41 were closed in the past 30 days, and there's still 61 that were remaining. That was as of January the 9th. The uh, HVAC cooling tower replacement works begun at Long Neck and North Georgetown. Old units were removed, new units set in place. Tie-in work is underway. The home that was uh, purchased next to East Millsboro Elementary, that demo work uh, was to begin January 18th and 19th. And we've discussed already long neck drainage issue and the board uh, approval for that work to go forward. Uh, district still waiting for the artesian uh, agreement again to finalize that contract. Reclaimed water. So the town of Millsboro with the reclaimed water uh, up at the Sussex Central High School area. Uh, the report, there was a meeting held between the district and the town of Millsboro on Friday, January the 6th. Discussion of grant money, project scope, and the path forward. The town of Millsboro is asking the district to contribute $24,000 match towards this program. There was a, uh, mat, uh, a grant that was approved through DENREC. It was a match grant, uh, and that's where they're asking for us to contribute that uh, money towards the match. There will be uh, an upcoming meeting in regarding the design uh, portion of that uh, project. Uh, lead, lead testing, at the time of the Buildings and Grounds meeting, about half the schools had been tested. Since then, it sounds like the rest of the schools have been tested with uh, GW Carver uh, to go back and to be retested. Let it be known that the uh, Interior School District is not the only state to be tested for lead. It's all districts throughout the school, or excuse me, throughout the state. It just happened to be that Interior School District was the first school district. So if you're reading anything about that in the papers, it's, it's all district, not just ours. And the next Buildings and Grounds meeting will be February 13th at the G.W. Carver building, and everybody's invited to attend. Thank you. Any questions with Building and Grounds? <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Fritz. 8.02, Comprehensive School Safety. Mr. Cathal. 
Uh, just one announcement. Um, so on December 22nd, uh, the school district and the Millsboro Police Department hosted alert training. This is the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training. This was held at Millsboro Middle School. Training was conducted by Constable Josh Worrell and Millsboro Police Officer Sergeant Evan Rogers and the SRO at Millsboro Middle School, Detective Jonathan Zabrowski. And that's all for our school safety. Thanks, sir. Any questions with comprehensive school safety? Hearing none, 8.03, finance. Doc? Thank you. Um, we also met on uh, January the, this one says 10th, but whatever, it was a Monday night. Okay, um, we shared the minutes. Uh, we did talk about a lot of this already, uh, especially with the Cordry Charities and how much they gave. We also discussed at the meeting that St. Martha's Episcopal Church had donated $500 worth of food line gift cards monthly since September 2019. Um, Seems to benefit the Howard Tiana's food pantry and or displaced families, but that's a lot of money from one church on a regular basis. Uh, Mrs. Smith did talk about uh, Mark Dufenbach planning to share his presentation, and I'm grateful that he did because it did clear up a lot of things. We also looked at the financial position report, which we've already uh, covered again. So this is a fairly short report. Um, we will be having also uh, discussion here on the, the rest of the financial reports uh, a little bit further down in this meeting. The meeting was adjourned at 728. It was a very short meeting, and that was a lot of fun. Thank you, Tammy. Okay. Any questions with finance? <clears throat> Thanks, Doc. 8.04, curriculum. Dr. Statler. Thank you. Uh, we covered our school counseling programs from across the district and highlighted many of their accomplishments. Uh, Mrs. Leslie Hazard was selected as the 2022 Delaware School Counselor of the Year, so congratulations to her. Um, our National School Counseling Week will be held February 6th through the 10th. Thank you to all of our school counselors for their hard work, their dedication to our staff, uh, students, and families. Uh, we talked about before and after school programming. This has been a topic of conversation ongoing. Each school has developed either a before or after school um, support program that addresses the needs, academic needs of our students. And these uh, programs are designed to help close that learning gap for those students that needed additional support in reading and math. Uh, Carver consent updates, we talked about those. Dr. Brittingham already covered those. Uh, the special education department is continuing classroom trainings. These were actually started pre-pandemic. Um, those are continuing and then moving into next year, we'll have a year-long plan for this initiative. Um, so we're looking forward to that and our teachers have been very receptive to the training. And during the months of February and March, the department will be conducting an audit of our one-on-one -on -one supports for our students. Um, to make sure that we are aligned with what we need to be completing in that area and recommendations will be made to the school teams uh, following the audit. So thank you to Dr. Brittingham for the work that they're doing. Our next meeting is uh, February 13th. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Stratler. Any questions with curriculum? 8.05, DSBA Board of Directors. Ma'am. Yes, we had a meeting in Dover on January the 11th. Now, some of the topics that were discussed, we had a presentation on um, House Bill 198, which is the Black History Bill that was passed by the 151st General Assembly. 
Doctors Monica Gant and Michael Feldman did a presentation. It was very informative. Uh, I cleared up a lot with some a lot of the board of directors that were there, having gotten the impression that there was a demand that this be done when there were some schools and districts that are already doing a lot of this and they could tweak some of it and possibly make it better or incorporate it in different uh, fields of education. The, uh, as has been discussed here tonight, the lead in the drinking water, uh, Dr. Marinucci did a report on that. Uh, there was some concerns about how the testing had taken place and the improprieties and all that. So he was, he's been in contact with um, a DPH and DOE and as you heard tonight, we're continuing with that. Uh, we also discussed an adult sexual misconduct working group that was, this is a result of a package of sexual mis miscellaneous and misconduct bills in the 151st legislative session. A work group has been established for guidelines and they'll put further information out on that. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Marinucci also discussed several bills that was impacting public education that were currently introduced and being uh, tracked. One is House <coughs> Bill 34 in particular requires the board to hear public comment prior to taking action on any action items. That was a lengthy discussion and they're going to look into whether that <coughs> makes sense or not. Uh, also, Dr. Uh, <coughs> indicated that there <coughs> excuse me, are several <coughs> districts who have passed referendums just like we did and They've begun to receive capital funds for the projects, but the bids are coming in way above the funding level. Um, he indicated that he is working with the bond bill committee members to understand the market pressure funding needs and the issues that surround the local match of additional funds. As with many districts, some of them stated that if they had to do a match, they would go bankrupt. There's no way they can take what they've got and then have to match it and be able to operate uh, effectively. Also, there was a discussion on uh, the superintendent's evaluations and a lady, Dr. Allison Myers, who is president of the Cape and Lopen School Board, evidently did an outstanding and excellent job on formatting one of these. I believe she did it as her um, dissertation and he's going to send it out to others just to be able to look at and use any part of that if we can. Um, Dr. DePrima from the Capital School District discussed the grants available from the sustainable energy utilities to the districts and said board members are encouraged to contact the, our team about further information. I believe, and I don't have that figure right with me, I believe Indian River School District is a million plus for solar, solar panels and that. So that's hopefully something we will be looking into. And at the end of the meeting, after it adjourned with the board, um, Dr. John Marinucci, who has been a tremendous asset to all the districts in the state of Delaware and has done a remarkable job, announced that he would be retiring as of June 30th. So he will be greatly missed. That's my report. Any questions with the board of directors? 
Thank you, ma'am. 8.06 DSBA legislative. Uh, our next meeting is scheduled for the second week of February, so I'll be able to give a fairly robust report then. Can I, can yes. I share? Um, we had a presentation regarding, I think it ties into both of yours, can I share? Yes, sir. Um, so recently, Dawn Alexander, I uh, believe she's with Colonial, spoke to our leadership team regarding House Bill 33, which is an act to increase funding for preschool children with disabilities who are not counted in their intense or complex special education units. Um, so I believe that's going to be presented as in part of, part of the General Assembly here within the next uh, couple days, I believe. But that act revises the current ratios, which are 12.8 uh, students per unit to 8.4 per unit for all children three years of age and older enrolled in those preschool programs. Uh, she also shared um, the K-3 to special education ratio and the act that creates a new preschool two unit with a ratio of seven, seven students per unit. Um, and this would accommodate two-year-olds with disabilities. Um, I shared the proposal with Mr. Marinucci uh, for House Bill 33. Uh, and he uh, was going to look into that and likely will share Mr. Layfield at your upcoming uh, meeting. So uh, Dr. Brittingham was consulted with this uh, during that meeting as well. And uh, she works closely with supervisor of early learning, Mrs. Hazard. And I am told that most of our pre-K classrooms already meet this proposed ratio, which is a very good thing. So I think we're uh, on track there. So if this were to uh, be passed, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape, but more to come. Uh, one of the, the aspects of this presentation was a potential board resolution. Uh, typically, our board he gets input from Mr. Marinucci and that DSBA group before we consider uh, any kind of resolution. Really, uh, we haven't seen resolutions, I don't believe, for uh, pr proposed uh, regulations, but certainly his input would be needed before our board would uh, make some consideration. So, Thank you for giving me that time. I just wanted to share uh, that presentation as well with the group. Thank you, Dr. Owens. 8.07, Special Education Task Force, Dr. Statler. Thank you. We only have one update. We're working on our um, program planning for spring activities. We have traditionally participated in things like the World Down Syndrome Day and a few other events. So we'll be continuing to support those in the spring. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Eight point oh eight policy, Chief. Good evening. Um, first, I'd like to thank uh, Ms. Blannard and Dr. Owens for running the meeting. I was unable to attend um, the meeting back on January 9th. There were six policies that came up for review, two of which will be returned to the committee for additional discussion, and four that you will see on the docket tonight as um, a first reading. All four have very minor changes, but I do recommend you take a look. Um, two of them do deal with this, uh, excuse me, with the superintendent. Um, and the first one, the gifts from the public, changing the, um, the uh, gift or value of the gift to the district that would require um, board approval, moving it from 1000 to 5000 mm -hmm. So uh, I recommend you, highly encourage you to take a look at those four before next month. You will see that we do have one policy moving forward for a second reading. That's KLB public comments about curriculum and instruction materials. That is a second reading. There were no changes um, from last month's reading, so I do make a motion we approve that policy as presented. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Passes by unanimous vote. Uh, our me next meeting will be at um, 
Carver on February 13th. And if I could also add that uh, we spoke briefly. Um, thank you. Um, we, uh, I know you weren't there, Mr. Collins, but we did speak briefly again about the branding guide. As you will recall, many of you were at our, our previous meeting uh, back in November where we uh, shared input regarding uh, the branding guide. As you will recall, um, this we've had many conversations and committees regarding uh, our logos, specifically Sussex Central. We've got a couple different logos. Um, there was some concern that we went from the traditional knight, the knight on horseback, to uh, the knight that's been used since uh, the, the new building was built. And we wanted, we thought it would be prudent to come back to uh, a, a group internally and look at all the logos that we have throughout the district. And that was a, a good exercise because we realized we've got lots of different logos across the board, including some that don't include necessarily a knight or an Indian uh, at some of our schools. So uh, from that, we want to continue that discussion and hopefully narrow the scope of logos and uh, hopefully lock into uh, actual logos that, that can be uh, associated with our schools, our district, and then others that may be used, like an interlocking SC, an interlocking IR, and we know are used for our um, varsity letters, et cetera. So we've got many out there, so I think it's we need to take a, a, a good look to see are they all appropriate and can we streamline those. Mrs. Blandard, I know you helped with that group. Anything I might have missed? Yes, just um, there was a strong interest in really kind of representing the past, but also looking at the future with student input around logos. So how do we do both to make sure that we represent the history of our schools? And part of that discussion at that previous policy meeting was eventually coming back, hopefully, with the branding guide that could be part of the policy. As you know, we've got a policy around the color scheme for uniforms. Could that be embedded as part of that? or a, um, a branch of that that we can use moving forward to help guide our schools. I think our, our principals would appreciate just knowing what, what they're permitted to use and not use. Happy to answer any questions with that as well. And I believe that will be or should be on the agenda for the next policy meeting because I know some members of the public are planning on attending to yes. discuss that. Yep. Any questions? 8.09, IREA rep. Good evening, I'm Blair Catlin Brown. I'm the association rep for IREA at Southern Delaware School of the Arts. Um, some lo local updates, um, the secretaries and paras are excited to finalize dates so they can begin their negotiations. We also look forward to working with the district to finalize the 2023-2024 district calendar. Um, several members of IREA met with district staff to thoroughly go through funding and staffing at the ELC. We appreciate those in attendance for meeting with us to clarify the information. It was explained to us, kind of echoing what Dr. Owens had talked about, that the ELC meets or exceeds all state staffing ratios and that many of the staffing positions are front-loaded to handle the influx of students that come throughout the year. Again, we thank everyone for taking the time to clarify all of that for us. Um, again, thank you, Dr. Owens, for sharing the information on the pre-K funding resolution. We look forward to hearing what DSBA's feedback is going to be so we can, again, see what we can do to support the state on those endeavors. Um, to amplify, Melissa Abbott, who spoke earlier, again, please remember any monetary or item donations for the March 10th uh, IRA scholarship. 
can go to her so we can have an amazing fundraising event at the Indian River Senior Center. And I know everyone was all at Twitter with this. I think we speak for most of us, if not all educators, when I say we were happy to hear Governor Carney's uh, press conference this last week, um, where he talked about his f educational funding proposals for the fiscal year 24 budget. Um, his proposed educational funding includes pay raises for educators, which is a welcome step forward in tackling the teacher recruitment and retention crisis. IREA joins Delaware State Education Committee Chair Laura Sturgeon in stating that while these increases are needed to match educator pay in neighboring states and is very much appreciated, any pay raises are only one piece of the puzzle and we join her in continued calls for class size limits and adequate teacher preparation time. Um, we also plan to work with advocates across the state to expand the pay raises to all staffing categories because every staff member in the building is crucial to our schools providing our students with a world-class education. Um, we urge everyone to reach out to their legislators to support all of the educational funding and to propose more if you have any ideas to see what we can get passed in the budget. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you, ma'am. Superintendent's report, 9.01, monthly activities. Yes, uh, since our <clears throat> last board meeting, we've had a uh, lot happening. I want to highlight just a few things. Uh, I, last month, I did have an opportunity to visit our schools with Mrs. Dorman, Dr. Jerns, Dr. Brittingham, Mrs. Blannard, and Don Mar Marlett from Learning Focused. I was able to see great lessons in progress while visiting with our students and staff. So I want to extend a thank you to our principals who uh, took us around to uh, many of their classrooms, and a special thank you to the teachers that allowed us to come in and interrupt a little bit of their, their class time there to kind of see all the great things that are going, and some amazing work is happening in our classroom. So uh, we look forward to, to visiting again uh, next month. As a member of the state's newly formed lead advisory work group, I've been participating in meetings related to the lead water sampling that we talked a little bit about tonight that's going on across the state. Uh, across the state. With regard to our testing, our district is, uh, as we mentioned, one of the first to test, and thus our results are coming in now. Uh, we've got about half the results in so far. Uh, and as we receive results, I just want to uh, reiterate that we do notify our staff and our families of our results. If anything is elevated or detected, uh, those impacted water sources are uh, immediately uh, taken out offline and remediation measures are implemented at those fixtures. These sources will not be turned back on until those remediation efforts are completed and resamples fall within our acceptable ranges. Uh, I want to highlight on uh, January 23rd through the 25th, Ocean View PD is hosting the National Association of School Resource Officers for the state of Delaware the sur and surrounding areas, our, our Eastern Shore area. On the morning of the last day, that's January 25th, instructor Joey Melvin, who many of you will remember, uh, our SRO from Georgetown, will lead the team through a building assessment at Lower <coughs> Baltimore Elementary. The assessment will take about two hours in the morning after drop-off and will include an exterior and interior safety assessment. The class includes about 10 SROs or future SROs, and the school would be advising their parents of the activity and increased police presence at and around the school. Uh, our food pantry, which is supported by the Harry Kay Foundation, has supported 82 families in the last two weeks. I think that's an amazing job for the folks that help support our food pantry, and 82 families are benefiting from that just in the last two weeks. Um, our coat giveaway, which many uh, of you have heard about and are excited about as part of the Project Kudos 
campaign has been a tremendous success thus far. Our first event was at the Frankfurt Fire Hall on January 17th, and uh, again was a huge success. Our next event is tomorrow from 2 to 5 at Grace United Methodist Church in Georgetown. And our final event is the 30th at Millsboro Middle School, again, 2 to 5. And in total, we will be supporting uh, students by providing 350 coats. So looking forward to that continuing. Um, and finally, uh, good news that we learned just today, Brent Crandall from Indian River High School is the Gatorade Delaware Cross Country Player of the Year for 22-23. And if that sounds familiar, that's because uh, this is her second straight year uh, receiving that honor. So Bryn uh, was, has won the girls, uh, state girls cross country championship each of the past two years. Uh, and the district, if you're interested, the district has won 10 Gatorade Player of the Year awards since the program's inception in 1985. And Bryn is the district's first two-time winner. So we will be sure to recognize Bryn at an upcoming board meeting um, here with, with you all. So, uh, again, a busy, busy few weeks, and that concludes my update. Happy to answer any questions. Any questions? Nice job. Time point 02, district calendar changes. <clears throat> yes, uh, several changes here. Uh, first is North Georgetown Elementary Spring Concert from May 18th to May 17th at 6 p.m. The second is change Georgetown Elementary's Spring Book Fair from May 1st through 8th to May 8th through the 15th. Number three is a district calendar change additions reminder on March 22nd, only Indian River High School 11th grade students report to school for SAT testing. On April 26th, same Indian River High School 9th and 10th graders report to school for PSAT testing. And similarly, on March 28th, only Sussex Central High School 11th graders report for SAT testing. On April 26th, only Sussex Central High School 9th and 10th graders report for SAT testing. So each of those, we ask for action. Happy to answer any questions on those as well. There's a motion to accept those changes. So moved. Motion second. made. Is there a second? Second. <clears throat> motion made and second. Any further discussion? <clears throat> All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Is there a motion to approve the financial summaries for the month ending in December 31st? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Ma'am? Yes, the reports on your board docs are through December 31st. We were 50% of the way through the fiscal year, and they have been updated for the final budgets that the board approved in December. At that point, we had received 92% of our total budgeted revenue and 93% of our total discretionary, budgeted discretionary revenue and 97% of our budgeted local tax revenue. Interest rates remain at zero, so we did not collect any interest. We have spent 32% of total budgeted expenses and 54% of total discretionary expenses. The tuition-funded classrooms have spent 44% of projected expenditures and Howard Tiana's 50% of projected expenses. Okay, is there a motion to accept uh, detailed information on month ending December 31st? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Made second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 
Yes, um, part two, student activity funding balance is approximately $474,000. Our ESSER funding, ESSER two, we have spent or encumbered 12.9 million and have 298,000 remaining. And for ESSER three, 13.2 million spent or encumbered and 16.9 million remaining. We have $26 million total available in federal funds and are holding approximately $1.1 million in donations and internal accounts. Any questions for those? Hearing none. Major capital improvements for the month ending December 31st. Or motion to accept? So moved. Motion made is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Ma'am. For minor cap, we spent $3.4 million in December. Motion to accept the minor capital improvements for the month of so moved. Second. Our, my agenda says November 30th. Are we going off November or should it be? December 31st. December 31st. Motion to accept. Then is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 10.05 uh, financial position report. Yes. Oh, let me give you the minor cap update first. Yes, um, we spent approximately $12.5 million in minor cap funds and have a balance of approximately $1.8 million remaining. And then for the financial position report, this is the report we do three times a year um, to project out our revenues and expenses through the end of the year. Um, so with those projections, um, to June 30th, we are looking at a projected balance of $12.2 million. Um, for your information, that's down approximately 3.9 million from this time last year, um, but it's not surprising given the one-time items and like this 27th pay and those things that are coming. But obviously something that we will still continue to keep an eye on. Thank you, is there any motion to accept financial position report? So moved. Motion made, is there a second? Second. Motion made and second, any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, passes by unanimous vote. Thank you, ma'am. Thank ma you. Communications, 11.01, .01, field trip request. Yes, we have six this evening for consideration. The first <coughs> is overnight trip by Indian River High School's wrestling team on February 3rd and 4th to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Number two is overnight trip by Indian River High School's FFA on March 7th through the 8th to Harrington State Fairgrounds. Number three, overnight trip by Sussex Central High School's Educators Rising group on March 6th through 8th to Wilmington, Delaware. Number four is an overnight trip by Sussex Central Marching Band, March 31st to April 2nd to Williamsburg, Virginia. Number five is an overnight trip by Select Indian River High School Musicians for All Eastern Ensemble on April 13th through the 16th to Rochester, New York. And number six, an overnight trip by Select Sussex Central High School Musicians for All Eastern Ensemble on April 13th through 16th, uh, also to Rochester, New York. Is there a motion to accept uh, the field trip request? So moved. Motion second. made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. 11.02, use of facilities request. Yes, just one request this evening, use of Sussex Central High School's main gym and uh, varsity football field by Community Inspired Actions on Sunday, March 19th, uh, 2023, and that is a kidney awareness event. Uh, so they're partnering with a few different organizations and would like to use our facility again, March 19th. Motion to so accept. 
Second. Second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Personnel, 12.01. Is there a motion to accept the personnel agenda for January the 23rd? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Personnel addendum for January the 23rd. Is there a motion to accept? Second. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Contractual agenda for January the 23rd. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Student hearings. Student hearing 13.01. Is there a rec or excuse me, student hearing 1301. The number is 23-76. Is there a motion to uh, motion to go along with the recommendation? Motion to accept the hearing officer's recommendation. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Public comments, 14.01. Comes the second time in our meeting where we allow public comments. Is there anyone that would like to come for public comments here at the end of the meeting? You have three minutes as an individual. Hello again, Christina Wright. Mr. Layfield, I have a question. Are you aware of the two assaults that happened to my son? We don't normally do an interaction back and forth with the board, but we are aware of an incident that okay. occurred at the school. For the There's audience, I have a nine-year-old who attends JMC, fourth grade, who was in specials, whom JMC houses a program called the High Roads Program. Try to look that up in the Indian River School District website. It's brutal. It's torture. My question and I know we don't have back and forth and only have three minutes, maybe 2.50, but my question is how are parents educated about these programs that are housed in our elementary schools? On 11:21, my son went to the computer teacher to state that he was being poked by one of the offenders. 20 minutes later, my son is pushed, he hit his head on the wall, he fell to the ground, he was kicked, and he was punched. And I get a call, it's unsubstantiated, boys being boys. His father and I accepted that, not knowing the whole full picture that these children are in these behavioral programs, the high school, high road program. 11 days, excuse me, most importantly, there were three adults, the teacher and two high road staff members in the classroom on 11-21 when my son was pushed shoved and punched and no one out of the three staff members seen this incident happen but his classmates did 11 days after 12 11 21 so on 12 7 we were told that these offenders would be separated my son was placed in the corner with no exit while he was sitting next to three offenders with three high road students attacked my son blindly. 
He had green on, on 12-7, JMC, it's green day. If you're having green, please line up. He was punched from the back of the head, and it was downplayed, downplayed. I'm not even gonna talk about DSP, about hate crimes. I had two officers that couldn't even state to me what a hate crime is. I'm not stating this is a hate crime, but something has to be done. My son was put in a situation where if that teacher had to go for a seizure or someone bleeding, my son would probably be dead, okay? He had no chance, and they're saying that because he's small, and, those one-on-ones, those staff members from the high road programs. Excuse me, they, 15 seconds. Yes, they were taken away. So one teacher, after 11 days, after my son was uh, bullied, and JMC downplayed it, unsubstantiated, when they were both assault threes. Now, my question to the Indian River Board District, what are we going to do? My son has not been back under the roof of JMC due to this, for his safety and his well-being. And my fear, the, and for the record, the offender that committed these two crimes, and we want to give it to the age group here, because, you know, 12, there's nothing to be done. I know, three seconds. So what is the board going to do to have my little innocent, my innocent, my son was innocent. What are we going to do to get him back under JMC in a safe environment, learning environment, and, and I won't quote your statistics of your bullying and your resources. This has been a painful, painful, painful situation. Your website and your resources is copy and pastes of Amazon books for my resource. I'm going to pay $20 and read up on bullying. My son will have everlasting effects from this incident. Not only my son, but his peers. His peers fear to go to school under JMC. And what is the Indian River School Board? school district going to do about it? What is JMC going to do about it? And what are we going to do about this high road program that the parents are not aware? We need change. My son was assaulted twice. My innocent baby. My innocent baby. This is bigger than bullying. We have to come together. And Mr. Rodney Layfield, we need change. You hear me? And you will hear me. You will see me. I can't sleep at night. My son couldn't lay his head. He had had his head on a neck pillow. I had to give the kid the I want change for these innocent children who are not protected under these schools. You want to house these behavioral children and give them an opportunity? You're giving them opportunity to attack blindly innocent children. Thank you for your comments. Tonight. What are we going to do about it? That is my question. Anyone else would like to come up and speak for three minutes here, public session, before we close? Hearing or seeing none. 15.01, meeting is adjourned. Thank you.